Shalom, shalom, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Pulse of Israel here in our eternal and ancestral homeland, the land of Israel, in our eternal and indivisible capital, Jerusalem, since King David's time. Today we're going to talk politics, and I am so happy to Mr. Mark Zuckerberg for having returned me to be able to be on Facebook, because I've been banned from Facebook for the past month and a half. Uh, Facebook does not enjoy my politically incorrect uh, posts of, of, of truth and questions. So today I'm here. We're going to check out how this goes. And I am pleased to have Mr. Aryeh Green. Shalom, Aryeh. Hi, how are you doing? It is wonderful having you. And today we're going to talk, we're talking politics, Aryeh. We're talking Israeli elections. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I reached out to you to have this talk because you went public with uh, with with I believe a very a very important post, and I wanted to talk it out with you because this it very much defines the confusion. The, the, on the one hand, the confusion; on the other hand, misinformation or disinformation or agenda, whatever you want to call it, uh, with regards to this particular election. Uh, and just to paraphrase what, what you wrote, you basically started saying you are still undecided he, who you are voting for, but you find yourself defending uh, two of the more right-wing elements within the Israeli political system, Betzala Smotrich and Itamar Ben-Gvir, both together of the Religious Zionist Party, defending them from the attacks that, uh, that, that you are seeing taking place in the media and and in on social media. So would you like to expand upon that before we go more into that? And again, it's basically, you don't necessarily support them and you don't know who you're gonna support, who you're gonna vote for, but you find yourself defending them even though you're not necessarily a supporter. Yeah, it's a very strange thing, Avi. And I think really the, the, the point that I made, the post that I that I put up was a uh, actually cut and pasted from a response, a rabbi in America had posted something about uh, Ben Gvir and Smotrich being racists and a threat to democracy. Uh, and I wrote, I wrote this rabbi back and I said, listen, you know, I'm not being argumentative, but the rhetoric here is just scaled, you know, really kind of off the scale. Um, and there has to be a little bit more uh, subtlety, I think, and, and a nuanced understanding of the reality here in Israel. Um, it, it, the, the idea that uh, that these people are racist from the perspective of an American social or cultural milieu um, is just, uh, it's not just inaccurate, it's both, it's unfortunate and it creates division um, and, uh, and it's not helpful. So I wrote this, this response and, uh, and my, my Facebook uh, rabbi friend deleted it, deleted the response. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. So, you know, I wasn't stalking him, but I, I wrote him a private note and I said, you know, uh, I, it was a respectful response. I was uh, responding to, you know, something I wrote, uh, something you wrote that, that I thought, you know, I made some reasonable points uh, and I'm curious as to why you deleted it. You know, I was very respectful and, and friendly. And uh, what's interesting is that this has resulted in, we're going to have a Zoom conversation tomorrow to talk about these subtle uh, in, to dialogue, to discuss, to, to be open, etc. But it, but but uh, it's still not on his, on his Facebook page, and and that's one of the issues uh, I think is that people won't discuss some of these issues reasonably, and that is 
unfortunately true today in Israel as much as it's become true in America. You cannot question some of the catechisms uh, of the woke kind of progressive world. And even with people who are not identified with the woke progressive uh, milieu, there are also things you cannot. And I think that's very unhealthy because whether it's a question of, of deciding who we want to vote for or a healthy public dialogue about issues and policies, if we can't even talk about some of these things, then, and you're called a racist if you acknowledge that the vast majority of terror carried out against innocent Israeli civilians, Jews or others, uh, are, 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 is carried out by Arab Muslims. If you can't acknowledge that and therefore recognize that there is a certain uh, trend or, or tendency to, to uh, be a little bit more antagonistic or skeptical or questioning or caustic about Arabs in general or Muslims in general or Arab Israelis, if you can't even have that conversation, then we're in a very difficult place. That was kind of the point. No, uh, 100%. I mean, one, one, I'd love to hear your feedback on this. Like, I, I like to have or like to hear at least uh, honest dialogue, disagreement, totally fine, but at least honest dialogue. And, and the question I put out to people is, wait a second, you're going according to the argument of certain politicians and media sources telling you that uh, Bitsal Smutrich and Itamar Benvir are, are, are forbidden to be included in any constellation of an, of an Israeli government where even Yair Lapid has called them to be terror supporters. Um, but yet you're fine with Arab parties in the Knesset who have party members who are clearly supporting of terrorism against Israel and outwardly supportive of the destruction of the Jewish state of Israel. Well, it- that's okay. Like, why can't that be part of the conversation? So that, that's right. right. I, I, my friend Ben Waxman wrote a piece exactly speaking about that. Why is, why is Ben-Gvir treif, whereas Mahmoud Abbas is not? And for the record, uh, Avi, I think it's important for all of our listeners or watchers to, to know, the, the idea is not to reject the, the, the possibility of an Arab party 100%. joining a coalition in the same sense that we have Arab members of Knesset and Arab members of many parties, Arab Christians, Arab Muslims, Druze, what have you, uh, who have also been cabinet ministers, obviously, whether it's for Likud or Labour or, or others. Um, the issue in, in this particular case is that the Arab party, which is a member of the governing coalition, uh, is an Islamist party. And, and here's where things, I think, get not just complicated, but, but correctly complex and where a nuanced understanding is important. I have a friend who has publicly endorsed Mansour Abbas and the Islamist uh, uh, party that he heads in spite of the fact that that party is absolutely publicly on principle against any sort of gay or LGBT rights. Now, my friend happens to be married to a reform rabbi and LGBT rights are very important to them. But he's made the distinction and said, look, what's important to me is inclusion of Arabs and the issue of an Arab party joining a governing coalition. And that trumps, to use a good word in this context, that trumps my support of LGBT rights. In other words, he is conceding that there are aspects of this party that he doesn't like, not just that 
he doesn't feel comfortable with, that he adamantly opposes, that doesn't reflect the aspects which don't reflect his ideology or his values or his principles, but he nevertheless is endorsing this party and voting for it because of other principles that he supports. So the fact that that can be done, and just to reflect what you said, again, it wasn't because it's an Arab party, it's because of their statements that they have made in support of Hamas, welcoming Mahmoud Abbas went to visit, so did Ahmed Tibi, so did uh, Ayman uh, uh, Odeh, visiting the homes of Arab terrorists who were released from prison in a, in a prisoner swap, um, you know, supporting the, the rioters in, uh, by, by uh, Arab-Israeli um, communities um, when we were uh, in the conflict with Hamas uh, last summer. We have a situation where people are willing to either look the other way or defend or excuse elements of parties or statements by party leaders that they don't agree with or that are offensive or that, or that are, are, are downright you know, betrayals of their values in the service of a higher principle or a different principle, which is fine. We all do that. When you vote for a party in Israel, when you vote for a, uh, uh, a person in, in America, you don't necessarily agree with everything they stand for. But on balance, you choose what your priorities are. And based on those priorities, you vote for a party or for a person that you feel will hopefully represent you and, and pursue the policies that you want them to pursue in spite of the fact that there may be things you disagree with um, in the party's platform or, 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 or your representatives in America, uh, um, uh, their, their voting record or their, or, or their um, approach to different issues. What's problematic here is, as you said in your introduction, you don't hear voices saying it is in, unacceptable and anti-democratic to allow the Islamist party to join a governing coalition because ABCD, their support for terror or their anti-Zionism, their, their uh, uh, opposition to the, to the legitimacy of, of Israel's founding as, as the nation state of the Jewish people or their opposition to LGBT rights or what have you. You don't hear voices saying that. You hear voices saying this is a, a good thing. It's important to be inclusive of Arabs. And we disagree with some of their policies. And that's OK, because we want an Arab party in the in the coalition. And at the same time, these same voices are saying Ben Gvir and Smotrich and the Religious Zionist Party, because of A, B or C, that that are uncomfortable or unacceptable in social society, statements made about uh, uh, Arab and Jews not not sharing uh, uh, hospital rooms, for instance, in a maternity ward, um, that is enough to disqualify them from joining a governing coalition. And all the more so, it makes you, if you're even considering voting for them, a racist or, or, or a bigot. And, and I think that that is, it, it, it diminishes the, the richness of our political discourse here in, in Israel. And it also oversimplifies the, uh, the approach to these very complex issues and parties. I'm, ve- I'm very happy you brought up that uh, that issue in terms of Arab parties and wanting Arab parties in the Knesset and potentially having Arab parties included in in governments. Um, and uh, I, I know you, you know me, I'm extremely critical of, uh, of the press, ex- ex- especially the Jewish Israeli press, whether English or Hebrew, and there is very little nuance when talking about this issue. I have a very uh, good friend who is very vocal uh, in the press and in social media. He's an Arab Israeli. His name is Yosef Haddad. 
and recently he's been very public on Israeli uh, Hebrew media and talking Arabic to his to his fellow Israeli Arabs. And his call out to them is, guys, the existing Arab parties in the Knesset want to destroy Israel. You cannot support the existing Arab parties in the Knesset. And here he represents an Arab Israeli voice calling out, and which I believe as well, there should be a party, an, a party of Arab Israelis in the Knesset who they believe and know how blessed they are to be Israeli citizens and want to work in the Knesset or be part of an Israeli government in order to benefit and work for their Arab Israeli constituents. But unfortunately, it's the Israeli Supreme Court that time after time allows Israeli Arab Knesset members and parties that are totally against Israeli law because of their public statements in support of terror and the potential destruction of the state of Israel, they shouldn't be in the Knesset. And that's stopping other Arab parties or Arab Israeli uh, citizens who do want to take part in the political uh, in the political process as Israeli citizens in the proper way. What, what do you have to say about that? I, I, the truth is you're opening a whole, a whole kind of different um, element of the discussion, a social or societal discussion, uh, which relates as much to the media and, and uh, education of the Arab sector in Arabic um, and the radicalization of the Arab-Israeli community, um, and which is unfortunate, which is part of Israel and Israel's leaderships and Israel's government's responsibility. And we, we have to take that responsibility and accept that we made many mistakes over the last 20, 40, 60 years in terms of helping to inculcate values of democracy and tolerance and, uh, and, and understanding and, and peace within the, the Arab-Israeli culture, Muslim, Christian, and otherwise, um, as well as an understanding of the connection of the people of Israel to the land of Israel and the legitimacy of the founding of our, uh, of our nation state. And that's, that's our fault, if you will, but it's also something that, we've, uh, that we haven't responded to as strongly as we could or should, as you say, whether it's the Supreme Court or the Knesset internal uh, um, operations or, or even um, social or, or judicial approaches to some of these issues, because we believe in free speech and we believe in letting you know, uh, um, candidates run for office as long as they're not you know, inciting to violence or what have you. Um, but it is it, it is a problem. I will say that I think we both know, you know, Gershon Baskin who's a very good friend of mine um, and very much a, a leader on the left in Israel. And he started a, uh, with a, a partner, a number of partners, a new Jewish Arab party, which uh, specifically is focused on the the I'll call it the silent majority of Arab Israelis who are appreciative of the benefits of living in Israel, who may well have a strong identity as Arabs, even some of them identifying as quote unquote Palestinian, and yet wanting to live real coexistence with Israel. I don't think that they're going to pass the threshold. Um, unfortunately, I think- Oh, they are running. Of, they are running right I now. believe so. I believe so. Please forgive me if I'm mistaken. I know that it was, that was called for and established. I don't know if it's actually on the ballot or not, because I don't know how the process is um, uh, developed over the over the, the next few months. I hadn't followed it closely. But my point is there are those 
and I believe there will be, if not in this election, in the next election, there will be a growing voice of those Arab Israelis, Muslim Christians, and others who who do reflect, in, even if they do have something of a of a wider Arab identity or even a more narrow um, Palestinian identity, but do reflect a more moderate centrist approach. And of course, you and I both know the kind of Muslim and Christian Arabs or Druze or others that have served in governments, Elijah Frazier and the Labour Party. Uh, um, uh, I forget his name, uh, um, Druze minister in, in Likud governments. Um, Diplomats abroad, there uh, are a number Ayub of... Kara. Yes, yeah, precisely. Um, so really? so we know they exist, and I call them the silent majority because unfortunately, because of the fact that we, in our wider society, including our educational network, have allowed the more extremist voices to be dominant in an Arab-Israeli society, um, the process of... Uh, the, the development of and the strengthening of a moderate or centrist or more tolerant um, stream of kind of cultural or social uh, awareness in Arab Israeli society is a very slow process and has not yet developed as much as it should. And it needs to come from within, but it also could be encouraged by, by Israeli authorities, which unfortunately uh, it hasn't been uh, nearly enough. All good points. The point I was trying to refer to was in terms of nuance, nuance in terms of the public discourse, especially from the Jewish Israel media, because there, there is no place, there's no discussion, no editorials, no op-eds, no editorial lines that says, hey, you know what, there is a problem of an element of supporting for terror and the support for the destruction of Israel within the Islamic Ram party and within the joint Arab list party. But of course, we want Arab parties to be part of, of the Israeli political process. All, everything is either if you do not support Ram or the Joint Arab List being part of the government, then you're a racist. You're that's, a racist. Coming from the, yeah. that's coming from the editor, the editors Precisely. of, of, of Precisely. Jewish and Israeli press. That's this is, the editorial this is line. What, this is what kills me. If you look at some of the rhetoric that's being used, and that's what prompted my, my post, some of the rhetoric being used about Smotrich and Ben-Gvir and the Religious Zionist Party, racist, fascist, anti-gay, anti-LGBT, and terrorist supporting because uh, Ben-Gvir had a picture of Barak Goldstein in his, uh, in his living room for many years. Terror supporting, fascist, anti-democratic, therefore, uh, and, and anti-LGBT. Well, those terms can be used to describe Ram, the United List, uh, and, and and others within right. the, the Islamist and, and Arab and Muslim sector, which is fine. At least be consistent. If you're Correct. going to call out the rhetoric, the statements, uh, and, and the attitudes of uh, of different elements of society, great. If you can legitimately describe as a political scientist or as a reporter on political issues, legitimately describe a spectrum of opinion, which includes some extremes, then that's fine. It's important to describe the moderate center, the center right, the center left, and the more extreme right, extreme left within our society, 100%. But this business of saying, if you vote for, or if you support Smotris and Ben-Gvir, then by definition, because they are racist or fascist or anti-GLBT, then you are also fascist, racist, and, and anti-LGBT uh, uh, or, or, or anti-democracy or what, what have you. Um, it's, it's an absurdity and it's very unfortunate because it means that you cannot have, and it actually pushes, I think this is the, the, the other thing that I was noting, it pushes perhaps not me, but many others to say, well, hold on a second, this is a double standard. This is not, this is not acceptable and it's frightening. 
Because if you're telling me that somebody who stands up and says, we as the Jewish nation has a right to this land, we have a right to defend ourselves, it's okay to consider at least, you can oppose the policy, but to consider the policy, for instance, of expelling uh, uh, terrorist supporting Arabs. Right. If, if it's not okay to talk about it and you're labeled as a racist, or if it's not okay to talk about reforming the judicial system to make it more equitable, to make it more fair, to make it more uh, uh, accountable to the electorate, if it's not okay to even talk about those things, again, you can disagree with Smotrich's proposals, but the idea that just by talking about reforming the judiciary, you are going to be labeled anti-democratic or fascist, then... There's a lot of people who are saying, well, you know, I'm going to vote for these guys because somebody's got to stand up for for for, you know, some of these principles, even if I disagree with some of the things that they that they say or or or, or propose. Right. Right. No, I'm glad I'm glad you brought up the Supreme Court issue because that also the nuance, the nuance is gone because gone. anyone who looks at the situation in a sense, you're the the democracy isn't perfect everyone i don't know if you've learned but democracy isn't perfect okay <laughs> but but the best way to try to ensure a, a best as possible democratic system is checks and balances between the and, and separation of powers and anyone with eyes in their head sees that in today's political environment the supreme court is a political actor over the over the parliament over the knesset the most yeah, it's the most activist uh, uh, Supreme Court in, in the Western world. Correct. And and therefore, the, the, the judicial reforms being put in place that that I'm familiar with, proposed. that both comes yeah. from Likud members and Yamina members, or like UD members now, and uh, and Smutrich and Itamar Ben-Gvir of their party, is about realigning the, the, the powers to strengthen Israel's democracy. So we have that... Uh, we have those separation of powers and checks and balances once again. Again, it's about strengthening Israel's uh, democracy, not weakening that, Israel's democracy. And, not and weakening you can talk it about the plan and you could That's talk right. about the specifics and argue about them. But but being labeled that they want to destroy Israel's democracy and therefore you can't even have a conversation about it. That's that that's the problem. So uh, one other aspect, just to kind of riff from that, I just came up with the exchange with a with a professor uh, on the same Facebook thread. It just obviously uh, uh, kind of took off. Uh, professor in in the states, an old friend. Um, I came up with an interesting formulation, I think, which which reflects the situation, the, the difficulty, and the challenge that we're facing, and that is people in the public discourse. As you were talking about, you know, if you even you know attempt to suggest that we should reform the the judiciary then you're a fascist or an anti-democratic this rhetoric has gotten out of hand we're more focused and the media is more focused on the pronouncements of these uh, of these uh, um, candidates or, or public figures than we are on their policies where it kind of goes and it's what what's important is what they say their pronouncements and then there's this issue of their personalities you get all this stuff like you know uh, uh, ben Gvir and Smotrich are anti-democratic. You know, that's their that's their their personality or their their attitude or their their philosophy, um, and only then kind of some people talk about the the policies that are being proposed by these by these parties or these individuals, and very few people talk about the principles and those four P's: pronouncements, personality. Uh, policies and principles, I think, are reversed from the way they should be. And this is yeah. what I wrote to my friend Ed. 
yeah. that when we go to vote, we should look at the principles that a party stands for, the policies that that party has pursued in the past if they've been in power and or proposed for the future. Uh, we should look at the personalities to kind of, you know, get a feel for and make sure we're comfortable with. And their pronouncements, while important, should be the last thing that drives the public discourse about this election. It's true, right. by the way, in the States, too. Right. I mean, th there are a lot of pronouncements, i.e. statements that people either regret or say in anger or aren't uh, accurate. And yes, we should call them out, but that shouldn't be the be all and end all of how we look at our, our, our vote and our decision to vote. And at the second level, the personalities, there are all sorts of personalities out there. There are very pleasant diplomatic individuals and there are abrasive and, and aggressive and undiplomatic individuals. And those things are important. I'm a communicator. I believe it's important. I wish everybody would communicate and, and hold public discourse in a much more civilized fashion here and in America. Um, but those two levels are very, uh, are less important than the actual policies that, that, that parties or, or leaders um, want to pursue or do pursue or plan to pursue. And it's certainly not as important as the principles that they stand on. Right. And, and that's what gets me is all of this stuff right. about Smotrich and Benvir. It's about Smotrich once said that Ben Gurion didn't finish, uh, you know, he should have he should have kicked all the Arabs out when uh, when uh, right after the War of Independence. Well, that's not a very palatable statement. I agree. And I wouldn't agree with the statement, nor would I say it. But to say that that makes him a racist or an anti-Arab racist or a fascist is an absurdity when you think of the population exchanges that occurred in the 40s between, for instance, India and Bangladesh and Pakistan and the proposals right. for partition of our country, which were based on the idea of let's separate these people because of the hostility of the Arabs and the Muslim world or their leadership, at least. I want to strengthen, your, I want to strengthen your point, Aryeh. The two-state solution is basically the expectation of expelling all Jews out of Judea and Samaria, in a sense. There you go. And that, that's current. Yeah. And yet and yet so yeah. many people are totally fine with that, totally disconnecting the ramifications. Like right. what value they're they're agreeing to. So so what I'm what I'm basically saying is yes, there are pronouncements and personalities that may be objectionable, but let's look at the policies and the principles Agreed. of the parties or of the individuals. And that's what the dialogue should be about. So that's what my post and this whole Facebook thread has been about, trying to separate. Um, you know, how we look at the issues and how we then make voting decisions from how the media and political opponents present the alternatives in such a stark, in such a stark presentation, which just isn't accurate. Right. Right. Ari, thank you so much for your time. I think this is such a, it's such an important topic. Again, it's regardless of, of who one votes for. Again, I have strong opinions. I put my opinions out there. People argue with me. That's totally fine. I might be upset or disappointed without certain people uh, vote. Might think it's very dangerous. They're not taking things into consideration. But the loss of the ability to have a nuanced, respectable dialogue based on yep. dialogue. That's, yep. that's, that's what you're raising, which is so, so very important. I agree with you. And it's not just Israel, it's America. It's very much across the Western world. Um, yeah. So uh, thank, well, thank you for raising I, that. I wish us all luck. I mean, America and Israel are both of our, our uh, countries that we're, we're firstly loyal to and, and love and, and support and wish the best for, you know, going to elections this next week. Let's just hope people people vote with their their minds as well as their hearts, 
and weigh up the issues and decide what are the issues that are important to me and, and vote according to, to our conscience and not according to how the media paints things in such, uh, such stark and, and shallow terms. Right, right. Thank you so much, Aryeh. It's a pleasure. Thanks, right. Avi. Always good Both to talk too. to you. All right, everyone. That's Aryeh Green, a man you see who uh, I very much uh, respect his opinion and wanted all of you to be able to hear it as well and to have this conversation. And here we had a dialogue. Everyone, dialogue is possible. Um, as we approach these elections in Israel, as we approach these elections in Israel, um, uh, I've been making different videos, interviewing different politicians. If you are not yet a subscriber of my Pulse of Israel videos, just go to pulseofisrael.com and click to subscribe. And if you are on Facebook watching this, folks, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be on Facebook. So if you want to follow me, definitely go to pulseofisrael.com and click to subscribe. Just coming off of a month and a half ban from being able to post anything on Facebook. It's just a matter of time before my next bit and before they ban me next and who knows for how long. But in any case, Thank you so much, everyone, for watching. I hope this was enriching. Share the video with others. Start having nuanced dialogue in your conversations, even with politics. It's possible, folks. Go back. Once upon a time, we all used to have them. Go Amen. back to that. It's up to us, right, Ari? It's up to us. Yep. Yep. So it's yep, up to us. So. Thank you for watching. Signing off from the eternal and ancestral homeland of the Jewish people here in our eternal and indivisible capital, Jerusalem, since King David's time. Shalom, everyone. Thanks for watching. Pulse of Israel on frontline videos from the Holy Land. Support our work by donating today.